0: I'm Sue Elvis from the blog Stories of an Unschooling Family. Welcome to my podcast. This is episode 76. And today I'm going to be talking about a typical unschooling day. I have talked about typical days before in previous podcasts. So why do I want to talk about this topic again? Well, I think the typical days, do change over time. They change according to the season of our unschooling year, and also they change according to the needs and interests of our children. So every now and then, perhaps it's worth writing or speaking about our typical unschooling days, because today's typical unschooling day might be a little bit different from the one I spoke about last time. There's another reason i want to talk about typical unschooling days today and that is because of my unschooling newsletter i've almost finished putting together this month's edition and i've sprinkled in some typical unschooling days from other people some other unschoolers very kindly sent me a few contributions and i thought well what shall i put in from me shall i just add my last typical unschooling day podcast or post? Or shall I make a new one? So I'm making a new one. That's what I've decided to do. But before I describe it, perhaps we should go back and talk about the word typical. Is there such thing as a typical unschooling day? Or are all our days very different from one another? Well, I think in our family, we do have a rhythm to our days. And there are some common things to each day. But yes, there are differences between days. So with that in mind, I'm going to describe what would be a typical unschooling day for us. Now here in New South Wales, Australia, where we live, it is winter. The sun is rising later, it's setting earlier. And both these affect our typical unschooling days. Unlike the summer, we're no longer running in the morning before breakfast. I guess we could, but nobody feels inclined to roll out of bed just as the sun is rising. Put on our running gear and head out into the cold. We've declared it too cold and too dark to run before breakfast. Maybe we're not adventurous enough. We are all choosing to sleep in a little bit later than we do in the summer. In the summer, we might get up at 6 o'clock, get ready, head out the door for a run. But at the moment, we're waking up about 7 o'clock in the morning. This is just as it's getting light. We have breakfast, we shower, we do the chores together. And then, if somebody has finished their morning routine, and there are still girls going through the shower, or still people that are sweeping floors, that type of thing, Then we'll just get on with something that we want to do. Like, for example, Sophie might head to the piano and start her piano practice. She might open up her editing program for her photos and have a look at them. I might open up my computer and start the day by catching up on some mail. And then when everybody has finished their morning routine, I will say, anybody joining me for prayers, and we will all head to the living room. Well, we'll spend about 20 minutes praying together and reading something out of the Bible, the daily readings. Now this brings me on to the topic of faith. We all have different beliefs. You probably know that we're a Catholic family. And I guess whatever beliefs we have, if they are important to us, we would like our children to also adopt those beliefs. So how do we do that? Do we force them to believe what we believe? Do we force them to join in with our own devotions, for example? I don't really think that that would work. Our children have to be free to choose. So I always invite, but I don't force my children. But the interesting thing is that even though I never insist that my children, for example, come and join me for prayers each morning or come to Mass on Sunday with us, they have never refused to do so. And I wonder why this is. First of all, I think that if we want our children to adopt our beliefs, then we have to show them that our beliefs are important to us. We have to live them. They have to be visible in our own lives. Because if our beliefs aren't really that important to us, to the point where people can tell what our beliefs are, our children won't follow our example. They won't think, I wonder why... This is important to my mum and dad. Is it important to me? So in our family, we share our spiritual experiences. We talk about what we've been reading, thinking about. We view life through the lens of our faith. And it is obvious to our children. Our faith is not something that's in one little compartment of our life. It permeates through everything we do. As I said, every Sunday morning, we all go to Mass. It's just a given. I don't actually say who wants to come, but nobody ever protests. It's just something we do. Now, do we do it because we have to? Is it because the church forces us to do it? It's a rule. we got to do it. So come along, kids. we got to go to Mass. I think maybe there are some people who do believe that is the situation, but it's far from true. We all have free will. And we all can choose what we do. And so, my husband and I, we choose to go to Mass. We choose to go out of love. And I think it's the same for our children. They also are free to choose. And they will also choose to go out of love. But to do that, I think that they have to know about their faith. And I'm not just talking about Catholics, any belief system. They have to know about it so they can make their own mind up about it. And so we have to share things with our children, talk about them, as I said, make our beliefs part of our lives. So our children aren't saying, why do we have to go to Mass on Sunday, Mom? They know. They know why we go. And it's not because we're forced to. Sometimes people say, what happens if our children drift away from our family's belief system? What if our children decide not to to go to Mass anymore? Because this hasn't happened yet, but it is a possibility. Well, maybe we have to trust that our children will return. Maybe some children do need that period of drifting away to explore things on their own, test things out. I do hope if any of my children are ever in that situation, that they will come back. I'm quite hopeful about that, because our beliefs are wrapped up totally within our family. Family is important to our children. Our beliefs are just part of who we are. I think that might draw our kids back, especially if they go through hard times in the future. They know where we are. They'll know where our faith is. So back to our typical unschooling day. After we have said our prayers together, we usually talk about the day ahead. Who's going where? Who needs what? Does anyone need anything particular from me? Can I help anybody with their day? What's everybody planning to do? That type of thing. We have a little chat about the day ahead. We also usually decide what we're going to have for dinner that night. It just makes it easier. My daughter Imogen is the cook of the family. She knows what she's going to cook that evening. She can start to plan it out. Does she have to get a casserole on early in the day? Can she leave it to the last minute? And after we've had a little bit of a chat about our day, it's time to get on with what we all want to do. My daughter Charlotte is 18. She's doing a degree in digital design, and she's doing that online through open universities. You probably know that my daughter Imogen, who is 21, is involved in all sorts of things to do with music and writing. So Charlotte and Imogen will disappear to go and do whatever they want to do for the day. And I'll gather probably with Sophie, who is 15, and Gemma Rose, who is 12, in our family room. I spend most of my morning with them. Gemma Rose likes to start her day with a piano practice. If Sophie hasn't already done hers, she'll do hers next. And then we probably read from a couple of books. My girls, even though they are 15 and 12, still like to listen to me read books out loud. I think there's something very special about sharing stories together. I also think they like the time to knit or to crochet or to do some needlework or even to draw or colour in while I'm reading. It's a nice friendly time, especially in winter. We put the heater on, we all grab a blanket, we make ourselves comfortable. I'm the reader and they get on with some of their handicrafts. While we're doing this, I'll listen out for the washing machine because I've usually turned that on before we've said our morning prayers. And when I've heard that the cycle is finished, I'll go and hang out the washing. And always, as soon as the girls hear me in the laundry, they'll join me to help me. And I really appreciate all the help, especially with the washing in winter, going outside to hang it out in the cold air. It certainly gets hung out a lot faster if there are five of us doing it. In years gone by, Somebody used to have the job on a roster of helping me hang out the washing, but we forgot that a long time ago. Now everybody just comes outside and gets on with it. About 10 o'clock in the morning, we stop whatever we're doing to have morning tea. Now, if you've watched one of my videos, It's Not a Periscope, Morning Tea and Library Books, you will know about our morning tea because Sophie filmed me while I was making our morning tea. And I told everybody what morning tea means to us. We have a morning tea tradition where we all stop, have a drink, usually hot one in the winter, maybe something to eat, have a break from whatever we're doing, sit down. I usually check my emails. Maybe I'll pop over to Facebook, answer a few comments, post something, like a few things. The girls might read a book. We might just sit and chat for a few moments. We'll catch up on what we've already done that day. Now, morning tea doesn't have any set time. In our Charlotte Mason days or our unit study days, I used to put a time on morning tea. Morning tea was from 10 o'clock to 10.30. These days, we always start at 10 o'clock because by that time, we're always desperate for a hot drink. But morning tea can finish at any time if they're reading a book. They might put it down and think, well, I want to get on with something else, put their cup in the kitchen and move on. Sophie might already be working over morning tea. She might decide that she's going to research photography articles, for example, why she's having her morning tea. And she'll continue doing this for the next part of the morning. Sophie has a lot of things that she wants to do. I don't have to motivate her to learn. I don't even have to strew much for her. Of course, she's got all her photography-related things that she likes to do. But she has other things, too. She has a science channel on YouTube that she likes to visit, periodic videos. She might want to write a blog post or to email a friend. Just recently, she's also been choosing to do some maths. She was telling me how there's a lot of photographers who are complaining about having to do their accounts. And she said to me that she realized that she does need to know a certain amount of maths if she's going to have her own photographic business. So the maths that she's choosing to do is all to do with financial maths, real-life maths, how she's going to manage her bank account, for example. But back to Gemma Rose. Gemma Rose will read to me. She likes doing that. She's still reading Sense and Sensibility to me. You've probably heard me say that quite a few times. But it is a long and complicated book. We read one or two chapters a day, and it does take a long time. I think we're up to about t- chapter 28. And the other day when we finished reading our chapter, I remembered a YouTube video that I discovered, and it's called The Real Jane Austen. And I said to Jim Rose, Would you like to have a look at this video with me? The only copy of this video that I've been able to find is one that's been chopped up into about eight different parts and it isn't very good quality, but it didn't matter. We sat with the computer on my lap side by side on the sofa, and we enjoyed each and every one of those episodes. I think, actually, that part two was missing, and we had to skip over that one, but we enjoyed parts one and three to eight. I guess what I was doing was strewing. A verbal strew. Would you like to? I do that quite a lot. I did the same thing the other day. I remembered a DVD series that I'd bought a while ago called Victorian Farm. It's one of the Ruth, Alex and Peter series. They made a lot of these series where they dress up in the clothes of the period and then they move to a farm and farm it in the style of the period. And this one is the Victorian farm, but there's also one called the Georgian farm. I think there's a World War farm and another one as well. We all really enjoy these videos. So the other day I said, Hey, do you remember the Victorian farm? Would you like to watch an episode? And Jim Rose did. And actually, Sophie wanted to watch it as well. She appeared, or she closed her computer on what she was doing at the time, grabbed her crocheting, and joined us. Sometimes Jim Rose has ideas of her own. For example, she said to me the other day, Can you find us another art video to watch? I've described in previous podcasts how we've enjoyed Alistair Sook's art videos. He's a British art critic, and Jim Rose wanted to watch something similar. So I did some searching, and I did actually find another Alistair Sook video to watch. Lunchtime arrives when Charlotte and Imogen come out of their bedroom and come in and say, Are you hungry? Shall we have lunch? And we all close our computers, our books, whatever we're doing. And we make lunch. Everybody gets their own lunch. They make whatever they want. But somebody always makes mine. A girl will appear and say to me, What would you like for lunch today, Mum?" And she'll go back to the kitchen, make it for me. So I'm pretty lucky there. While they're making my lunch, I'll usually hop over to Facebook again, answer a comment, try and keep up with my mail. I usually get quite a lot of free time in the afternoon to do my own things. Sophie is busy. Sometimes she goes and makes a video. She might edit some photos, browse the internet for interesting articles. She's got a lot of things that she likes to do. She might read her books. She might draw. She might get her notebook out and make more notes for her novel. It's almost Camp NaNoWriMo time again, and her notebook is getting full of notes for her next novel. Charlotte and Imogen will just continue whatever they were doing in the morning. Now, I mentioned that we're not running before breakfast any more, but we're all still exercising. I sometimes still head out the door in a warmer part of the day. I might take Nora the dog for a run, and I was doing this for a while after we stopped running before breakfast, and no one was coming along and saying, "I'll come with you, Mum. I'll run with you." They were all too busy with whatever else they were doing, and I began to think perhaps they're not exercising. Because I'm not pushing them. It's not important to them. Perhaps they only come out in the mornings before breakfast because they feel they have to. A little doubt went through my head. A couple of weeks went by and nobody did anything whatsoever. Only I did. It was only me heading out the door for a run with the dog. And then one day, Sophie said, I'm going to get back to doing my fitness blender workouts, Mom. And she can't run outside in the winter because of her asthma. The air is far too cold, and she always ends up coughing and having an asthma attack. It's bad enough in the summer. So she's been doing another eight-week program. And the other girls started exercising on the treadmill without any prompting for me. One morning, Imogen got up, and she didn't go for her shower. She put on her track pants. And after morning prayer time, she said to me, I'm heading off for a treadmill run, Mum." And then Charlotte started running on the treadmill before lunch. And Jim Rose started running on the treadmill late afternoon. And then I had a few days where I thought, oh, it's too cold outside, I'm going to run on the treadmill as well. But I've noticed something. The girls are far more enthusiastic about running on the treadmill than I am. They're leading the way. The other day I really didn't want to run. But Jim Rose had already been for her run. And I thought to myself, look, I've got to follow her good example. I've got to stop being lazy. I said, go for a run, Sue. So I did. And when I got on the treadmill, I thought, look, I'll just do a quick run. And as I was running along, I thought, no, that's not good enough. She runs ran 5K today. I could run 5K as well. So I did. And when I finished, I felt rather good about it. I was so hot and sweaty and I work harder on the treadmill than I do outside. I think I run faster. I put the settings up high. And outside, you sort of get a a bit of a breather as you go downhill, that type of thing. And the pace varies outside. If I feel a bit tired, I'll just slow down the pace a bit. But on the treadmill, if I want to slow down, I consciously have to turn the treadmill speed down. And I'm reluctant to do that for some reason. So usually it's a harder workout on the treadmill. And so I got off the treadmill. I went out to get a glass of water. I felt rather pleased with myself. And the girls said, as usual, How do you do, Mum? How far did you go? And I said, I went 5K. I followed Gemma Rose's example. And Gemma Rose said, Well, actually, Mum, I did 6K today. So I don't know if I'll be trying to get up to her 6K next time. But yes, having other people to exercise with or just knowing that they've exercised is good incentive to do it ourselves. And the girls have been following my good example for quite some time now, and it does make me smile to think that now I'm following their good example. Oh, I have one more thing to say about exercise. About a week or so ago, Sophie said to Charlotte, Would you like to join me for a Fitness Blender workout? And she rather expected Charlotte to decline the offer because we all know how hard Fitness Blender workouts are. She'd heard the stories. But Charlotte, for some strange reason, said, Yes, I'll do a Fitness Blender workout with you. So they disappeared off together. Sophie had a huge grin on her face. Her older sister was going to work out with her. They came back maybe an hour or so later, and they were both tired, but the both were smiling. And Sophie said to Charlotte, Will you do one with me again tomorrow? And Charlotte said, Yeah, I might do. The only trouble was the next day's Fitness Blender workout was a 1,000-calorie workout. And these go on for about an hour and a half. I've never done one because I'm too afraid to. I don't think I'll get through an hour and a half workout. And I wasn't sure that Charlotte would want to do it. But she turned up the next day. She did it. And she has turned up every day. She and Sophie are working out together. And Sophie is so delighted by this. Her big sister wants to spend time with her. Going down a slight sidetrack here, I could talk a little bit about siblings. Sophie has always regarded Charlotte as her hero. And she's always wanted to spend a lot of time with her since she was very small. But Charlotte hasn't always realized this. My girls tend to split up into two pairs. The older two girls, Imogen and Charlotte, and the younger two girls, Gemma Rose and Sophie. And it seemed rather impossible for Sophie to move out of the younger girls into the older girls' group. Charlotte didn't seem to want to welcome her. This caused a lot of heartache for Sophie at various times. And I did have to talk to Charlotte sometimes about how her younger sister would really love to spend time with her and how she was hurt by the fact that Charlotte sometimes brushed her off. Well, I think the time has come where sophie has now joined the older girls charlotte is really enjoying spending time with her younger sister it is now Gemma rose who's having to adjust i think it's rather sad that youngest children sometimes find themselves on their own the others have all grown up without them and they're still little kids really and the only way to keep up with the older ones is to grow up faster i've spoken about this in a previous podcast It's not all fun and games, being the youngest child in the family, whatever anybody else says. So where was I in our day? Three o'clock, I think. Afternoon tea time, or afternoon coffee. Time to have a quick cup of coffee and then head out the door with the dog for a walk down the bush tracks. Usually Sophie will come with me. It doesn't matter if she's already exercised, or if I've already exercised. The dog still needs to have a walk. And usually we'll take our cameras, we'll go down to the bush tracks, we'll have a chat along the way, talk about all sorts of things. We usually have a good walk together, enjoy each other's company. Now our dog belongs to everybody, but it seems to me that Sophie and I walk her more than anybody else. Occasionally somebody else will volunteer and say, hey, I'm going to take the dog for a walk. But usually it falls to me and Sophie. But because we like walking and because we usually take our cameras, we don't mind. Of course, in the summer, the dog runs with us, and so she doesn't have to have an afternoon walk. By the time we come back from our work, we'll find Imogen in the kitchen cooking dinner. We usually have an early dinner because several nights of the week we have activities in the evening. Twice a week, the girls go to choir practice, two different choir practices for two different choirs. and one night a week, the younger girls go to St John Ambulance Meetings. My husband Andy rarely makes it home in time for dinner. He's a school teacher and of course school finishes early but he has various meetings after school, preparation for the next day, lots of different things going on and he hardly ever makes it home for an early dinner. He'll usually get home about 6.30. He'll have time to eat his own dinner and then he'll go with the girls to their choir practices or he will take Sophie and Gemma Rose out to their meeting. So here's a long day because he goes out about 6.30 in the morning, gets home about 6.30 and then he has some things that he does for the family in the evenings as well. For those people who are at home after dinner, we'll usually sit and chat, watch a video. Maybe Gemma Rose will play a computer game. We might put on a mini series like Bleak House or Wives and Daughters. These are the sort of things that Gemma Rose likes to watch might watch an episode or two every evening for a week until the series is finished. And then about 8.30, Jim will go to bed. The rest of the girls go to bed at various times, but they're usually in bed by about 10, 10.30. Once Jim has gone to bed, the older girls, including Sophie, will usually watch a movie. Now that Sophie is a bit older, Imogen and Charlotte are enjoying sharing their favourite movies, the ones that used to be too old for Sophie. So she's working her way through their movies, such as their superhero movies. So this is a typical unschooling day for us. Of course, that's a typical unschooling day at home. We don't always stay at home. I'd like to stay home every single day. There's always so much I want to do. I don't think the girls would protest as well. But there are certain things that need doing outside the home. We have piano lessons once a week. We have to go to town for that. Then there's other appointments like medical appointments, orthodontist, that type of thing. And these usually are fitted into our day as well. And I don't usually fit them into the after hours end of the day. I usually just put them in the morning because I prefer to go to town in the morning. But that's okay. They're part of life. I don't say the kids have got to do their schoolwork first and then we'll go and visit the doctor or the hairdresser or whatever. Everything is important in our lives. On Mondays, even though the girls are at home, they'll have their writing circle meetings. Imogen spends some time with Gemma Rose and Sophie, helping them with their writing. I've spoken about this a couple of times before. Some days, special things happen. Like last Wednesday, my son Callum came home for a couple of days. He brought his wife with him and his dog, Eddie. They live about seven hours' drive away from us. So they don't get home that often. So, of course, everything stops when somebody comes home. There's nothing more important to do than spending time with family. So on that particular day, we went to the lake and we had a picnic. It was rather cold, but that didn't matter. We had a great time anyway. And then yesterday, I suggested to the girls that we go to town to watch a movie at the cinema. We wanted to watch Finding Dory. So I found a session that started at 11.20. We headed off from home just after 10 o'clock in the morning. Got to town about quarter to 11. Did a little bit of shopping, saw the movie, came home. I guess one of the advantages of being home all day is that we can go to the movies during the week. We can go to the sessions that are not so popular. We don't have to queue up for tickets. We don't have to worry about finding a good seat one of the joys of living an unschooling life, just arranging our days to suit ourselves. Sometimes I'll go out to lunch with one of the girls in the week. We'll have some one-on-one time together. We might have some shopping to do as well. And of course every three weeks we usually head out the door to film a music video. That is a typical unschooling day of its own. So that's our unschooling day. It might not be like your typical unschooling day, but I think that's quite all right. Even if your day is very different from ours, maybe you do share some of the principles that go into your day. Maybe you strew. Maybe your family exercises together. Maybe you enjoy heading out the door for a picnic midweek or going to the cinema. I really love how unschooling allows us to have very flexible days. Everybody's needs get seen to. We'll enjoy spending time together, time doing our own things. I guess I should finish by saying that at the end of the day, I always make sure that I've got my homeschool records book up to date. I usually add notes in my book as we're going through our day. I might take a moment at morning tea time or, or at afternoon tea time and just add a few photos, a few quick notes I usually clip things from the internet as we're using them, so if we've been to YouTube, I'll clip the video straight in to my notebook as soon as we've finished watching the video, so there shouldn't be too much to do at the end of the day. But yes, I will just make sure my notes are up to date. Sophie adds her own notes, because half the time I've no idea what she's doing. Always so busy. Unless I interrogate her about every moment of her day. It's impossible for me to make accurate notes. But she's good about doing that. She knows what needs to be done if she wants to continue unschooling. I'm just going to finish with a quick family story. Yesterday was our wedding anniversary. I don't know if you remember the story of last year's anniversary. I got the day wrong. My husband woke me up on the morning of our anniversary and wished me happy anniversary and gave me a gift. And I told him that he had the day wrong. Our anniversary wasn't until the 26th of June. And he said, no, Sue, he said, we got married on the 24th. I said, no, 26th, that's the date of our anniversary. It turned out that he was right and I was wrong. I don't know why I would got the date wrong. I must be getting old. Anyway, he laughed about it. Of course, I didn't have a gift for him. I don't think I even had a card at that stage. But he didn't mind. So I went out that day. I caught up, found a card for him and a small gift. And we celebrated that evening. Well, this year, I thought, I'm going to remember our anniversary is on the 24th. I'm not going to make that silly mistake again. So last week, I went out and I bought a card and I got a gift for my husband. And on the 24th of June... I woke up early. I'd forgotten actually to write in the card. It was still sitting in the cupboard. So while my husband was in the shower, I put on the light, I dashed into the cupboard, got the card out, hopped back into bed with a pen. I wrote something in the card. And when he came out of the shower, got dressed, I said, happy anniversary. And I gave him the card and the gift. And he said, Sue, our anniversary is tomorrow. But I said, it's the 24th. Our anniversary is on the 24th and he said yes our anniversary is on the 24th but today's is the 23rd of june tomorrow is the 24th of june and i said no no it can't be today's the 24th and i got my tablet i reached down the side of the bed got the tablet turned it on and he said look it's the 23rd and it was it was the 23rd i got the day wrong i was a day too early Anyway, he said, I'll save the gift until tomorrow. And we had a bit of a giggle over it. So yesterday, it actually was the 24th of June. And it actually was our wedding anniversary. I regave my gift to Andy. He hadn't opened it, so he didn't know what it was. And he had a gift for me. And then in the evening, he took me out to dinner. We went to a Thai restaurant. And that was really good fun. And I really enjoyed that. But next year, I'm going to remember that we got married on the 24th of June and I'm also going to remember which day of the week the 24th of June is. I suspect it will be a Saturday, but I think I will have to check. So I just thought I'd share that story with you because it's been a special week this week with my son Callum coming home and also having a wedding anniversary. As usual, you'll find this podcast on Podbean and iTunes and also on my blog. But you'll also find it in my unschooling newsletter because I'm going to add the link to this podcast into this month's edition. If you haven't already subscribed to my newsletter, please do. I'd love you to join me. You'll find a sign-up form in the sidebar of my blog, Stories of an Unschooling Family. You'll also find the show notes on my blog, So please feel welcome to visit my blog, maybe stop by, say hello, or if you prefer, you could go over to my Facebook page, Stories of an Unschooling Family. Please feel free to join in any of the conversations that we're having. So I think that's all I want to say this week. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. This will be the last week of the school term for us. My husband Andy will be on holiday on Friday. He'll be home for two weeks. So we're looking forward to that. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and until next time, trust, respect and love unconditionally.